Chapter 14 of A Broken Bond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeff Blanchard. A Broken Bond by Nicholas Carter. Nick's Assistant Decamps. Chick knew all about Dr. Follensby's tendencies and had assisted his chief in an attempt to scrape up sufficient evidence against the man to warrant some definite action. They had failed to build up a case that would amount to anything if brought to trial. To be sure, they could have brought charges against the head of St. Swithin's and placed him before the medical association, but there was more than one reason for reframing from that. For one thing, Carter hesitated to stir up a scandal which would be bound to follow the publication of such charges. Owing to Follensby's great prominence and the very responsible character of his position as head of a big hospital, the accusation would tend to discredit the whole profession more or less, and to shake the public's faith in such institutions. Finally, the detective had always been a firm believer in the right of a man to have a second chance, especially when he had much to lose. Follensby had had his warning, and nothing had happened since to give the detective and his assistants any particular reason for believing that he had failed to profit by it. They were by no means sure that he had, however, and had continued to look out for further trouble in that direction. Consequently, Chick was more than commonly interested in this chance glimpse of Follensby. As for his action in hiding himself behind the newspaper, that was merely a mechanical sort of routine precaution. There was always a certain possibility that Follensby might be up to something questionable and if he were, in this instance, the detective did not wish to be recognised. That would scare the game away, and his hunter's instinct shrank from the possibility of such a catastrophe. Half a minute later, he had cause to congratulate himself on his presence of mind. He was not more than twenty feet from the clerk's desk, which Follensby had approached. Is Mr. James Stone in? The question was put in the doctor's thin, piping voice which hardly carried to Chick and wrenched a little gasp of amazement from him. Stone, he thought, that can't be anybody but Crawford's partner. The buzzard is asking for Stone. What does it mean? He strained his ears to catch the reply, but the clerk's voice was low and indistinct. A moment later, however, Follensby remarked audibly, All right, I'll wait for him here in the first sitting room for a few minutes. Manipulating his paper cautiously, so that Follensby could not see his entire face, even in the glass, Chick glanced at the latter with one eye. He was just in time to see the doctor move off and pass into one of the rooms, which opened off from the lobby, the one nearest to the clerk's desk. Chick felt instinctively that the discovery he had made was of considerable importance. He had come to look upon Follensby with suspicion and he was aware of Stone's attempt upon Crawford's life. To be sure, he also knew that Stone had been advised to consult a specialist in New York. It might well be, of course, that the specialist in question was Stephen Follensby, and that the miner had gone to him in good faith. The connection between them, however, whatever it was, seemed to deserve a little more attention. At any rate, he felt that he ought to inform his chief at once of the fact that Follensby had been inquiring for James Stone. I'll have to clear out of this, he thought, 
and I mustn't let the buzzard see me, either. If Crawford should come down and speak to me, Follinsby might be put on his guard. Supposing there's anything fishy about his call on stone, it's up to me to make tracks before Crawford comes back. He rose to his feet, and as he did so, the elevator bell gave a subdued buzz. The man in charge closed the gate, and the elevator shot upward. Chick felt morally certain that it was Crawford who had rung the bell, and was waiting to descend. Another might have laughed at him, for the thought. When the big hotel was well filled with guests, but Chick put enough faith in it to cause his heart to give a startled bound. Without a look toward the elevator, he strode along the lobby in the direction of the door and hurried out. He had barely disappeared when the car sank to the level of the ground floor, and Winthrop Crawford emerged. The miner looked expectantly toward the corner, where he had left Nick Carter's assistant, and stopped short when he found it vacant. His bewildered gaze travelled over the whole room, and then approached a bellboy who was standing in a nearby doorway. Do you happen to know what's become of the young man I left in that corner less than five minutes ago? He asked, pointing to the chair Chick had occupied. He's just gone out, sir, was the reply. He hurried past me just before you came down and shot out of the door as if he had been sent for. Did anyone speak to him? No, sir, not that I know. Maybe he just thought of something he had to do. That's queer, Crawford muttered. I don't understand it. Then he suddenly made up his mind. See if you can catch him, he said to the boy. Hurry, there's a dollar in it for you if you do. The bellboy broke into a run, and Crawford hastily followed. When he reached the street, he saw the uniformed boy in full flight after a slender, well-dressed man, who was walking swiftly down the street to the left. It looked like Chick, but in order to make no mistake, Crawford halted where he was and looked to the right then crossed the street. He saw no one else whose appearance tempted him to follow. Consequently, he strode into the wake of the boy. The latter soon caught up with his man and spoke to him. Crawford saw the pedestrian halt and turn about. Confound it, the miner ejaculated under his breath when he caught the sight of the man's face. That isn't my man. That fool boy has gone off on a wild goose chase. He remained where he was and waited for the return of the bellboy, who came back sheepishly. It was the wrong man, sir, the boy explained. So I saw, was the answer. Well, here's something for your trouble, anyway. I can't imagine how my friend got away so quickly. Thank you, sir, said the boy, as he possessed himself of a coin. Maybe he caught a car. That's probably what he did, agreed Crawford. The boy left him and walked swiftly back to the hotel, but the miner followed much more slowly. He had been very favourably impressed by Chick and could not account for his sudden disappearance. Did I bore him as much as that? He wondered. He might at least have left some excuse. I should think, even if I had taken up too much of his time. If he had stayed, he could have advised me about Jimmy. He had failed to find Stone in his room and the place seemed to indicate that his partner had not been there since morning. Yet, despite his anxiety, he was very reluctant to do anything, since he knew that if Stone were all right, he would greatly resent anything which looked like meddling with his affairs. 
When Crawford returned to the lobby of the Windermere, however, he found that his brief absence had brought developments. These developments were to have considerable bearing on his affairs, although he was not to know of that for the present. While he was out of the building, Stone had returned and had met Dr. Follinsby. When Crawford reappeared, the clerk beckoned to him. Mr. Stone has just come in, Mr. Crawford, and has gone to his room with a friend, he was informed. End of chapter 14